Chapter Twenty Five of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five. Millicent Holt, that is the name you must assume," said Mrs. Chalmers to Hyacinth. "And though I never was so pretty or so sweet as you are, still I was a very happy girl, and I do not like to see a young life blighted. Kiss me, Millicent." you shall be like a daughter to me i do not remember my own mother observed the girl simply laying her fair head on the kindly breast and i thank heaven for sending me to you before we finish this subject at once and for ever said the doctor let me ask you millicent is there anything i can do for you in connection with your secret if so speak to me just as freely as though i were your brother and command me as you will you can do nothing she answered mournfully i should not have given up but that i knew all hope was past nothing can undo what has been done nothing can remove nothing lighten its shadow are you unjustly punished he asked sometimes i think so but i cannot tell we will not mention the matter again said the doctor kindly we will think only of the new life and getting well as a preparatory step to the latter let me tell you that you must eat all these grapes and then lie down and sleep again for the sweet face had grown so white and worn so pale and tired he saw that the effort she had made had been a most painful one we will leave her alone mother he said but before mrs chalmers quitted the room she unlocked a drawer and took from it a small purse this she placed in millicent's hand this is yours my dear she said it fell from your pocket the evening you came here the sight of the little purse almost unnerved her she remembered how adrian had laughed at it and had promised to buy her one with golden clasps she took it and then looked wistfully in the lady's face no my dear said mrs chalmers it is not to be thought of for one moment what my son and i have done has not been for gain keep it my poor child you will need it in this new life that lies before you then they left her alone and the thoughts that mastered her were very sad ones this new life looked almost terrible now that she was brought face to face with it she began to wonder what they were doing at home whether she should hear their names again whether adrian was still with them and what he now thought of her how he must despise himself for having ever loved her she who had been the subject of popular comment and gossip she whose name had been upon every lip he who admired delicacy and refinement how he must dislike her she checked herself i must not think of it she said or i shall go mad meanwhile mother and son had gone down to the cosy dining-room and stood looking at each other in silence it is a strange story mother said dr chalmers i cannot understand it what should you think the poor girl has been doing i cannot even form an idea replied mrs chalmers she has done nothing wrong i am quite sure of that yet it must have been something very grave and serious to drive a girl from her home and her friends to cause her to give up her name and to be as she says dead to life something unusually grave no doubt but without wrong on her part i could no more doubt her than i could myself however unhappy or unfortunate she may be she is good true pure innocent and simple as a child 
Yes, I believe so, but it puzzles me greatly to know what her story can be. Still, we have taken her to ourselves. Poor child, so we must make her strong and well and happy. Robert, said Mrs. Chalmers gently, and she looked anxiously at her son's handsome, clever face. Be as kind as you will to her, but, my dear, do not fall in love with her. You may depend upon it, mother. He returned, and his face flushed and he laughed uneasily. That even if I should do so, I will never have one word about it. I shall think of Millicent, poor child, as of some petted younger sister, and do my best for her. Then the doctor opened a ponderous volume, and his mother knew that all conversation was at an end. They were not rich, those good Samaritans, although the doctor was making rapid strides in his profession. Theirs had been a hard struggle. The mother had been left a widow when quite young. She had only a small income. The son was desirous of a good education, and then he chose the profession he felt most inclination for. But it had been uphill work. They had no friends and no influence. They had nothing but his skill and industry to rely upon. Both, however, soon made their way. His practice increased rapidly, and when Hyacinth found refuge with him, he had begun to save money, and was altogether in what the people of the world call comfortable circumstances. It was most probably the remembrance of their early struggles that made both mother and son so kind and charitable to the unhappy girl who had fallen under their hands. Perhaps, had they always been prosperous, they might have had harder hearts. As it was, the memory of their past struggles softened them and made them kinder to the whole world. Mrs. Chalmers, well-born and well-bred herself, was quick to recognise that Hyacinth was a gentlewoman, one who had been accustomed not only to a life of refinement but of luxury. She was quick also to recognise the pure mind, the innocent, simple, gentle heart. It was all settled, and Millicent, as Hyacinth Vaughan was now called, became one of the family. Mrs. Chalmers always treated her as though she was her own daughter. The doctor spoiled, indulged, teased and worshipped her. They did all that was possible for her. Still the girl was not happy. She regained her health and strength very slowly, but no colour returned to the delicate, lovely face. The beautiful eyes were always shadowed. No one ever saw her smile. As she grew stronger, she busied herself in doing all kinds of little services for Mrs. Chalmers, but this life among the middle class was all new to her. She had never known anything but the sombre magnificence of Queen's Chase and the hotel life at Berkheim. She was lost, and hardly knew what to do. It was new to her to live in small rooms, to be waited on by one servant, to hear and know all that passed in the household, new, strange and bewildering to her. But she busied herself in attending to Mrs. Chalmers. She did many little services too for the doctor, and at last he grew to love the beautiful, sad face and plaintive voice, as he had never loved anything before. She grew stronger, but not happier, and they became anxious about her. "'It is so unnatural in a girl of her age,' said Mrs. Chalmers. "'The trouble must have been a great one, since she cannot forget it. In my opinion, Robert, nothing will rouse her but change of scene and work.' She seems to be always in a sorrowful dream. What Mrs. Chalmers said, the young girl often thought. After a time, she wearied inexpressibly of the dull routine of her everyday life. I am dying, she would say to herself. 
dying of inanition i must begin to work one day when the doctor sat alone in his surgery she went to him and told him if you will only be kind enough to let me work she said i shall always love this my home but it seems to me that in body and mind i should be much better if i could work and work you shall decided the doctor leave all to me End of chapter 25